your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solo. I have PTSD now grabbing this mic every time because it fell off on me when, when Ron Kine joined the show a couple days ago. So every time I grab this. Uh, hey, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. Dr. Anthony Tregoski in here. I'm Rick Solom. He's Tregoski. He's a UW Lacrosse political science professor. Um, got a bunch on the on our plate today to talk about. Uh, every Friday, I think we should have water tower talk. We should have some kind <laughs> of water tower story across the nation. I mean, we've we were in like a three hour radius of water tower talk here the last two Fridays. Um, the guy, the the guy, just blame a guy it's like the the team painting the plover water tower spelled plover wrong it's flipping the v in the o <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when water towers are in the news it's never for good reasons def- definitely yeah when would it's it's kind of like offensive linemen in football if you hear about the offensive linemen it's because they've screwed up and I, aaron Rodgers is out for the season it's not like breaking news the water tower is working well yeah it's working well good one <laughs> Uh, so, uh, there was back in the day, there was a Kansas city chiefs commercial where the, they have, it's like an 80 year old guy and he's painting the end zone and he spells it chefs. And the guy's like, Hey, the, the, one of the Kansas city players, Hey, nice job. Who are the chefs? And then the guy goes, great googly moogly, because he realizes, <laughs> he realizes, yes, the pain. It's amazing the stupid stuff I remember. Why would I remember that, that commercial? And then also that he said, great googly, as I'm telling you the story. That the great googly moogly ad has, is taking up space in your brain. Yes, the and then I didn't remember the great googly moogly line until I started telling you. And I'm like, wait a minute, I remember what he says now. Um, someone should study my brain, honestly. Probably other things, too. Uh so, yeah, so he spells chefs, right? And then he realizes he has to, you know, because it's an 80-year-old and he's got just a paintbrush and a paint can because that's how they do end zones in the NFL. <laughs> but super funny because great googly moogly. Uh, yeah, so they – but but uh, there are some funny Twitter posts, obviously, about the Plover Water Tower. Uh, but on top of that, somebody suggested they should leave it. Leave it P-L-V-O-E-R because, of course, you would. Like, leave it. A, you can whoever your whoever your politician there is in charge of of the water tower could just say, hey, we're saving taxpayer money. We screwed up, but you know what? We're not going to repaint it because you know we're going to save eighty thousand dollars in taxpayer money or whatever it is. And also, it's just going to draw tons of attention to your town. People are going to come take a picture of your stupid water tower and eat yep. at you know the somebody's going to open a place called P L V O E R. It would be brilliant, but they're say they said they're going to be have it fixed by tomorrow. What you have to do is paint a red squiggle below it, like when you misspell a word in Microsoft, <laughs> yes. and just say, oh, spell check, yeah. you know, should have done the spell check. Do we go as far as uh, maybe having the Microsoft paperclip come up? Like oh, paint no. The- <laughs> I can't remember what his name was. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's super funny. Again, Lacrosse doesn't have a water tower. We just miss out on all this stuff. I, I still, right? We don't have a water tower. I've looked around. I look around every once in a while. You search like, high we, and low. Somebody said there's, you know, like maybe we use, maybe the, the, the water well is on the bluff and therefore that there is no need for a tower. Um, maybe Verizon can turn their cell phone tower at at the entrance of Riverside Park <laughs> into a, a, a 
a water tower lookalike um, <laughs> because they were going to make it a lamppost, but then we could just make it a water tower to hide it. Uh, 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. Very serious show we want to do today, but actually we will get into, we might get into some some stuff in in the, the Wisconsin state budget. Um, probably got to talk about the Biden visit. Anything? What's what's the UW-Lacrosse political science professor's take on Biden's visit? Well, uh, a couple things, Rick. First, it's notable that this was billed as an agriculture visit, but then was pivoted at kind of the last minute to an infrastructure-related visit. And this reflects sort of the not-so-great politics for the Biden administration of how this infrastructure package has been rolled out. There's been some muddled messaging. There's been some confusion about, you know, is this a bipartisan bill? Is this not a bipartisan bill? What are the Republicans going to agree to? What are the Democrats going to? This has been not a smooth rollout for this infrastructure message. So I think the move there was to right the ship, so to speak, and to get back on track with more of a focused message. Uh, and he did that really with the speech in lacrosse. But what are we all talking about? I mean, like we're more talking about his visit to the Pearl, that right. his infrastructure message. Well, and you, you see some stories, uh, especially here, Ron Kind goes to the Pearl, but he can't vote. He's using COVID protocols not to vote yeah. in person. Um, also, uh, the the big conspiracy that Biden wouldn't go to the Ranison over there on Market Street. I don't know if you've heard that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm making that up. I want to make it a conspiracy, though, that Biden doesn't go to the Ranison. You know that what that like is, right? That sounds like a QAnon conspiracy <laughs> theory. <laughs> but have you? do you know what yeah. I'm talking about? Okay, you do. I'm just making sure you – Yeah. But I've, I would say you probably – if you're getting ice cream, you're probably at a, at UWL. You're probably going to the Ranison, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, if you're downtown, you're going to the Pearl. Though. Right, of course. Um and uh, yeah, but the, and then the conspiracy that Biden was going to go to a farm right. and then change it to an MT, the MTU bus building in Lacrosse. Therefore, Biden hates farmers. That's what and only likes uh, electricity. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I know that the Republicans are making a big deal out of that. Again, it's the short-term political interest of the White House that won the day. This need to reset so to speak, the message and the push for this infrastructure package. No question that that was the intent of this lacrosse visit. If you were if you were the president and you had this infrastructure bill rolling out and you were coming to lacrosse, would you – okay, well, A, where would you go? First, I want to do, I want to do two, two different things, but where would you go? I mean, the MTU building seems kind of funny to me because it's just a big old bus building. Yeah, I mean, you can see that this was hastily put together because – and, Rick, during the week we were talking about this, how we had no idea what was going to happen with this event. Like, we were waiting until the very last second. I really thought he should troll the Trump campaign and have the rally at the Colgan Air Service building. Like, just, just be total, like, total F you and just have it there, uh, you know, reaching the contract and the code. And there's no more COVID protocols, so you don't have to uh, worry about that. You would have to get permission from Colgan, of course. But, um, yeah, uh, having it at the airport would have been fine, honestly, because we have a PFAS mess there anyway. So yeah. it would have been, you know, it would have been easier for everybody and would have made a lot of sense. He could have, I don't know. 
where they, they don't have that like video game place anymore. <laughs> like somewhere, go to Huck Finn's or sure. or go to somewhere like that where they're drinking water, right? And talk about there's a there's a PFAS problem here, but um, instead the MTU building. I don't. Where else? Where else could you go? Could you imagine though? Um, well, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I got I got another top three list for you. I got to bring up, but you go ahead. <laughs> I think this ended up being a small event because it was adjusted at kind of the last minute. So only about 75 people attended, but the Biden people get what they want. They got national news coverage of Biden selling the infrastructure package. They got him with the, the, the video of him with the buses and the machinery. They got what they wanted out of the visit, especially given the political importance of this region. I mean, La Crosse County is surrounded by counties that voted for Obama twice and then voted for Trump twice. So this is a politically relevant region for him to be visiting. And the standing of the Democratic Party in western Wisconsin is getting somewhat shaky. I would say it's shakier than it was during the Obama years. So, and no surprise that he would come to this region. Well, I brought it up yesterday, and um, me and William Garcia talked about it, which is a podcast. I got a post uh, just about the Biden visit, um, just the optics of the Democratic Party in the last five years now, I guess it would be. But we'll get back to that in a minute. Brad's got to do the news. Uh, UW Lacrosse political science professor Chugoski uh, will quiz him coming up. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I forgot to put music in there. Whoops. All right, that's all right. I can do what I want. Uh, Riverfest, you going to go down there? Yeah, absolutely. July Fourth fireworks. Okay, that's what you're. No, you don't have to go down there. You could just go to. You could watch them from your. No, like the air show. You don't have to go down to Riverfest <laughs> to check out the fire. I'm not a big fireworks guy. I don't really. See, my wife isn't either because she is worried about the effect that it has on animals. Yeah, for sure. Oh, gosh. I get, nah, just Yep, my dog. She hates that. I kind of forget that until they start happening and every thunderstorm that happens. Um, back when I went to fireworks in like high school, I just remember laying at whatever park in Appleton watching the fireworks show and then having a giant piece of firework land like right next to my temple, just Whoa. hit the ground. And I was like, wow, that would have really just took my face off. Yeah. Had it hit me or took my eye out or whatever, it would poke your eye out. Um, so I was just like, wow, this is, uh, you know, when you talk about the effect it has on animals, I, I'm always like, how bad is it that we're just, all this crap just goes into the, A, the river, or B, when we're on Granddad's Bluff, or um, just in general, people in their driveways, uh, you know, fireworks in the driveway, and then are we picking them up? Are we right. just pushing them out into the road? Because they're on fire. It's not like you could throw them away right away. I'm anti-American, uh, apparently. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we were talking about, let's see, we got water tower talk out of the way, although I think we could do the rest <laughs> of the show on the Plover water tower. Uh, it's it's a shame that they're going to fix it. I really think they should just leave it P-L-V-O-E-R and talk about uh, just the amount of attention, that, attention that, that would bring to the town, I think would be really good. Um, I don't know if we want to get into Bill Cosby, <laughs> just being the, the idea that you could just be super rich and... Uh, you know how many he? I think he had like over thirty lawyers in his like all the the drama, and and everything. Uh, just yeah, like how many? How many? Uh, I, I sent you a good line, and now I forgot it. Uh, when I I'll look it up. But number three is calling in, so let's get him on the phone. Number three, go ahead. You're on the air. Oh wait, you're not on the air. 
Now you're on the air. Go ahead. Uh, good afternoon. I want to thank you for taking my call. And on your way home from work tonight, just look, uh, there's a water tower right down there where you work on that big uh, fancy restaurant. Oh, on the Charmont, the, the hotel? Okay. Yeah. There's a water tower. Now, what, what I want you to do is go up there and climb up in the tower and look in the hole in the top and see if there's any water in it. Oh, okay. That sounds da- right. a little dangerous, but I, okay. You, I, I got faith in you, Rick. If you could get up on a ladder and blow the leaves out of your gutter, you you may on a water tower, all right. I do have a laminated Wisdom News, uh, like I'm a journalist for Wisdom News, so I'll flash that, and then I'll start climbing on the water tower and say, journalist, do work here. It's investigative journalism. Yes. Yeah, you do that. All right. Sounds good. And keep your powder dry now. All right. Well, it'll be hard if there's if there is water in there. So, <laughs> um, oh, okay. So the one the one line I found it that I sent you about the the whole Bill Cosby just like he's just out of jail and free. Like it's kind of ridiculous, right? Like he totally did the things he did. Yeah. And he's guilty of those things. Correct. And then he just gets to go free because of then he's gone. because maybe or maybe not they made some backdoor backroom deal with the prosecutors. There's no proof of that from what I hear. So, but I said uh, between going to space and and getting out of jail, jail when you're actually guilty is for heinous crimes. It's sure it's sure a great time to be rich. Because I heard that Richard Branson and is it Jeff Bezos are now in a space race or Elon Musk? Right? And Elon, Isn't Musk Elon Musk is Musk probably trying, involved. I mean, they're all ruining the planet and trying to get off the planet at the same time. So, I mean, ruining it for the rest of us. Um, but speaking of just, you know, you know, people that don't pay their taxes, right? The people that just slide out of from paying any taxes or the businesses don't pay taxes. Um, the, the budget that Republicans passed, uh, throws a lot of stuff under the bus that Biden was checking out the other day. And also, also like all you have to do, I mean, it's, it's the easiest, most, uh, and, and probably like the the thing that Republicans or maybe politicians run on every time is, hey, we're just going to lower your taxes, yep. right? Is that kind of the that's what this Republican version of uh, the Wisconsin state budget is? Hey, lower we're lowering your taxes. Exactly. So the news of this unanticipated, very high revenue completely changed the politics of the Wisconsin state budget. And you could see how the Republicans were really driving the ship on this. They were steering the ship on this process because when the news of this higher-than-anticipated tax revenue came out, the Republicans immediately come out and say, we're going to use it on tax cuts, we're going to use it on tax relief. And because they control the agenda, because they control what is and what isn't voted on, there's really not much the Democrats could do about that. I mean, the Democrats certainly made it clear that they wanted to put more spending towards K-12, towards the tech schools, towards the UW system. But the Republicans were steering the ship on this process as a result of their overwhelming majorities in both chambers of the Wisconsin state legislature. So what you end up, Rick, is an eye-popping amount of tax cutting in this budget that was just passed this week through both chambers of the Wisconsin state legislature. I do think Tony Evers is going to sign it. I don't think he's going to veto the whole thing. He will make, of course, substantial use of his partial veto. It would be interesting if he could add things to the the budget because I mean, it would never end right. The fighting, but um, why, why are states so bad at projecting? 
I mean, is it because we went through a COVID pandemic? We have no idea. And then we go, oh, by the way, the stock market went up trillions of dollars in during the pandemic. Meanwhile, you know, all the, the poor people stayed poor. So the gap widens. And uh, but but we could just say, hey, this is going to lower taxes. And uh, we we totally misprojected how the budget was going to work. We have all this surplus now. Minnesota's in the same boat. Four point in Wisconsin, four point four billion dollars of revenue over the next two years, more than was previously projected. Rick, the people who I trust attributed it to two main reasons. First of all, the improving situation with the virus, just people getting vaccinated infection levels dropping, people going back to work, people shopping, people traveling, people getting back to their normal life. And secondly, the $1,400 checks that went out during the spring, those seem to have had quite a stimulative impact on the economy. Producing this unexpected and probably won't be repeated again, but still welcome development in the in the state budget yeah so they want to give the republican budget wants to give all this money back right Right. is that the easiest way to say that and they always they they always tout that and and that's all well and fine but when it comes to expanding medicaid for poor people to get health insurance um they they don't want to to sign on with the feds to expand medicaid because they say the federal government's going to run out of money but what they want to do with the state budget is give all this money back. But this money is, is almost pretend money, right? We should probably be putting this in the piggy bank. That's what I wonder about because, you know, Rick, I was telling you today that this is a live-for-the-moment type of budget because it really relies on this higher-than-expected boom in tax revenue to fund these tax cuts. And it really leans on one-time or once in a forever kind of infusion of cash from the federal government, like this $2 billion plus that's coming in from the federal government for schools. And the budget really leans heavily on this federal money coming in to sort of say, yeah, we're increasing spending, when the state itself is not increasing mm-hmm. spending. The state itself is keeping spending flat on education. So you have this live-for-the-moment type of budget that, is based on two things that aren't going to repeat themselves. A surge, unexpected surge of tax revenue and billions of dollars coming in from the federal government. Yeah, it's like buying the Ferrari when you should probably like save and buy a car that's a little bit like... Um, it, it's not like that, really, because we're not buying anything. We're just, we're just uh, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're lowering taxes. But also, so the the the... The way we talk about this too is, hey, we're we're uh, we're giving tax breaks, which will help the middle class. That's always which will we're giving tax breaks, which will help the the we can't say lower class anymore. What do we say? It will help the poor and the middle class. Uh, we're doing this, but we're not. If you say working poor, it pulls better. The working poor. Okay, so <laughs> but we're not saying what we're not saying is we're we're giving these tax breaks to the middle class or to the working poor, a majority, we said, you know, like if it was like, Hey, 90% of this money is going back to the working poor, back to the working class. And, um, in all of, in all of it is in tax breaks, but that's not what's happening at all. No, because three quarters of the tax cuts, the benefits go to those making $100,000 a year for, or, or more. And that's because this tax reduction is really driven by this ginormous tax bracket that 
falls, you know, it hits individuals making between 24,000 all the way up to 263,000. So it's this ginormous tax bracket and it brings the rate for that tax bracket down by one percentage point from about 6.3% to 5.3%. Now that is a big impact for people who are making into the six figures. Right. And that's where lots of the benefit will be felt. Yeah. I mean, those people really deserve all the money they can get back. I mean, great for anyone making six figures. Um, it's just, you know, we really, we really should, uh, cut them a break because those people just, they need it. I mean, how are they going to survive on just a hundred thousand dollars a year or more? Rick, what I'm really curious about is if Evers can fiddle with this tax cut, given his partial veto power. And I I heard he is a fiddler. So he, he, is, he, like he, he may enjoy the fiddle. The fiddle. He, I, I know he likes the look, polka. Kind of looks like a guy that plays the fiddle. He does look like that kind of guy. All right. Scott's comment coming up, which is Dr. Anthony Chagoski's favorite thing on Wisdom, I believe. And even better than his. Back check. True. Even, even better than like your own <laughs> you know, segment here. But uh, after that, Brad's got to do one more news. We'll be back. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608 785 7914 is the talk and text line. Did get a text here from Fred. He says, can either of us admit Chagoski, UW lacrosse political science professor? We really need your opinion on this. Can either of us admit that Biden is a shill for the communist China? Only if you admit it first. I can't actually admit that because I don't have any clue what that means. <laughs> like he's a shill for China or for the communist part of China the, as opposed to the rest of it? Or um, Always got to throw uh, communist China in there. Um, it's kind of like throwing woke into uh, something, uh, a story, or if you want to just get people, oh, communist China. Um, we were talking about the state budget, and Kevin did text in, and he goes, hey, this budget's bipartisan. It but, is. Because uh, Democrats, including Steve Doyle and Brad Paff, voted for it, Democrats right here in the area. A um, couple of Democrats, right? There's, it's more than just uh, in the – in the, uh, is there four? Yeah, there were four Democrats in the state assembly and three in the state Senate who voted for the budget. And that is notable, especially given some pressures that Democrats in swing districts are, are, are facing over this budget. How many, how many Republicans – we don't get this. We don't get to know this. How many Republicans voted for Evers' budget? Do we, well, know, do we, we even know that? We don't, find, we don't, we don't. get to find out, Rick. Right. Yeah. So we just, it only <laughs> never, works one way. It never gets a vote. It only works one way. So it's always funny, too, because there's just like, man, we got we got a bipartisan one way, but it's never bipartisan the other way. Um, the infrastructure bill, I guess, maybe is going to be bipartisan, right? The uh, federal one? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, Mitch McConnell will tell us someday. Um, but yeah, so Steve Doyle, Brad Paff. So let's go Steve Doyle first. He's in the assembly. He's the greater lacrosse uh, region is what I like to call it because I never remember if it's it's District 90-something or 70-something. I think it's in the 90s, but I just call it the greater lacrosse region uh, where Steve Doyle represents. And um, uh, yeah, so it, him and Brad Paff just in the same boat, boat for voting for this? I think so. You look how close Brad Paff's race was, just a couple hundred votes out of thousands, plus Steve Doyle represents a district that narrowly went to Trump over Biden. You can imagine that the campaign ads just write themselves if you vote against this budget and you're a Democrat in a swing district. The ads write themselves. He voted against tax relief for working families. 
it's an easy campaign to run. So while you might not love the policy, the political and campaign considerations might be quite relevant in your decision making about how to vote on this budget. All right. So Kent Kent is calling in. Kent, go ahead. You're on the air. Hey, guys, uh, Joe Biden's trip. You know, I just wanted to say the reason I think he switched from agriculture to infrastructure, and there were no local reporters allowed in his meeting in La Crosse. That's not right. But if he, nope. Well, just okay, us. anyway, just, I, I know you're going to cut me off, Rick, but anyway, if he would have had to go to a farm, one of the first questions from a local reporter would have been, why, did, why were you trying to push this deal? That Hispanic and African American farmers, you're going to forgive all their loans, but not the white farmers. Okay, that would have been the first question. Um, the the multiple uh, news media were local news media were at the Biden in the MTU bus building. I like to make fun of that because we didn't get Brad was down there and he didn't he he did get to uh, be searched and and checked by the Secret Service dog. But that's as close as he got to getting into the MTU building to, to, to listen to Biden. Well, how does that work? He got searched but didn't get in? Well, he, he, and, and at the same, at, around the same time that was happening, uh, Police Chief Sean Kudron was trying to get in. But Kudron came in his civilian vehicle, I think. And uh, they were like, well, who are you? We don't know who you are. And, and Brad's like, that's the police chief. And then they started. And then and then Brad, I just I'm, this is the, my version of the story. And then as Kudron was coming, Brad was like, Sean Take me with you. Tell me. Tell them I'm with you. <laughs> you know, just like to get in. Uh, yeah, he, Brad Williams. That's my security for uh, for getting in. But um, I, yeah, I don't think uh, the the first part of the first question on first of all, Biden didn't take questions, so there was no. there's that. Uh, if you want to rip on him for not taking questions from local media, I would say that you're totally totally relevant to do that because sure. that's kind of BS. We can go get ice cream. Uh, down at the Pearl, we can waste a bunch of time doing that, but we can't like take a couple of questions from local media. Well, the president isn't taking enough questions from the media is a go-to criticism, no matter who is in the White House. Because if it's a Democratic president, the Republicans never think that the president's taking enough questions. If it's a Republican president, the Democrats don't think they're taking enough questions. So this is a this is a go-to criticism when you're talking presidential politics. I mean, if that helicopter was that was flying around the whole time Biden was here landed and Biden was going to get in it, that's when Biden would be like, as the helicopter is whirring in the background, now I'll take some questions from your media because now we have terrible sound. Every, every quote-unquote press conference Donald Trump ran – uh, was in front of a helicopter, like just a couple of before you could jump in and literally like fly away. Oh, that's a good okay. And then oh, I don't want to answer that question. I gotta go. There's a helicopter here waiting for me in the background. That makes all your sound crappy, uh, and I have to scream and yell and probably can't hear what you're saying anyway. It's convenient when you have an escape helicopter right waiting for you. Yeah, that's and I don't know. Like maybe Biden should have did that, and and the local media could have a- actually asked him a couple of questions. I'll make this because this is my show. I'll make it about me. Uh, the The Vikings played the Packers back in the Mike McCarthy days at the Metrodome. It was the last game of the Metrodome. Uh, the Packers smoked the Christian Ponder Vikings, your Christian Ponder Vikings, um, and it wasn't interesting. It was like you know thirty five to seven or something like that. And uh, the week before that, what happened? I think somebody the Chiefs lost their quarterback, and somebody made a phone call to Brett Favre to see if he would play. 
for the Chiefs. I believe maybe the Chefs. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, and and that was a story a week before that. So Mike McCarthy. I don't have any access to Mike McCarthy, but I'm at the press conference. The game wasn't interesting by any means necessary, so I didn't feel like there was anything that I could ask McCarthy that was relevant to the game. So I asked Mike McCarthy, hey, if Aaron Rodgers goes down, will you make a, a phone call to Brett Favre to, you know, run the team? Because the Packers are always in the playoff hunt. And uh, he goes, well, I don't have any time. We, we just won a conference game. I don't have any time to answer a question like that. And then the questions proceeded to be like, hey, Aaron Rodgers played a good game, huh? And it was like, yeah, he's a great quarterback. <laughs> so the rest of the press conference was garbage. Well, the next week, Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone. So you can guess what the story was. Right. The story was unnamed reporter from Metrodome asked Mike McCarthy last week if they would call Brett Favre. Local boy somehow got into that press conference and so, asked the wrong question. So next time I have access to the president and he takes questions, I'll be like, Rick Solom, wisdom news here. <laughs> will you... You know, Kamala Harris, will she be able to take over for you if you go down? I don't know, something like that. Uh, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Um, okay, so is there any – are we just – are we giving Steve uh, Steve Doyle and Brad Paff – the only reason they would vote for this budget is because of uh, – just because of the districts they're in? Or did, did, I guess as local media, we should be grilling them about this stuff. Well, Rick, with a budget – you get a very large and complex document. This is 80 plus billion dollars over the next two years. So everyone's going to be able to find stuff that they like or don't like in the budget. And the decision to vote for or against a budget is more complicated than just Steve Doyle or Brad Paff are afraid of the campaign mailers. But that's not, that's a consideration when you're talking about a huge tax cut that's on the table. Is the decision to vote for at this point in time inconsequential? <laughs> that's another really good question. In terms of the budget passing, I mean, the, the optics yeah. of it one way or the another will look good or bad for you, depending on, you know, in, in their regions. Uh, if they want to, you know, placate to the other side, to Republicans that would vote for Brad Paff or Steve Doyle, the optics would look good, but the, the it would be inconsequential in the in the in the regard that the budget passes or not. Yeah, I think you could make a case that this takes some fire away from the Republicans who might be running against Doyle Paff. Heck, even the Republican who ends up running against Tony Evers. Tony Evers can go to the voters in 2022, and I've heard some commentators saying, well, like the Republicans are actually giving Evers some, some wins here, some, some legislative victories, some things that he can tout in his campaign. And he can go to the voters and say that he approved significant tax relief. Now, not as much as the Republicans would have wanted, but still significant tax relief, and voters aren't going to make the fine distinctions there. So I do think it is relevant that some Democrats voted against this. I do think it is relevant electorally. And I think the same holds in the upcoming race for governor against Evers. I just think that this takes some of the wind out of the sails of a future Republican campaign if Evers just kind of signs this thing. All right, we got to take one more break. When we come back, I want to talk about the uh, the former Supreme Court justice that's getting paid by Republicans. Uh, we got to get into this election fraud before Evers is back on the ballot because we got to solve this issue. Otherwise, he'll be governor again.
All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. Uh, interesting commercial there about the July 4th there. I, I don't know. Yeah. To play that one again. Uh, Dr. Anthony Chagoski, UW Lacrosse political science professor, in with us, award winning political science professor. If you listened to the show last week, which you can do, wisdomnews.com slash podcast or, down, or uh, search Lacrosstalk PM, wherever you download podcasts. Uh, former judge making some bank, uh, thanks to the taxpayers. For the next four months or so, he's going to make uh, eleven grand a, a month looking at voter fraud. Which, well, like, how does this work? <laughs> so it's Robin Voss's investigation into the 2020 election. We heard that he had hired these retired cops to do something. We don't really know what they're going to be looking at. We this don't thing, really... the thing that happened six months ago. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> that election. That election. <laughs> I mean, they're. It's, it's not clear what they're investigating. It's not clear what the scope of the investigation is, how the findings will be released, how just, just so much of this investigation is murky and weird, frankly. And today we got the news. By the way, Rick, fantastic news dump here. Fourth of July weekend, Friday afternoon before the 4th, that's when you get your bad news out there. And this was a fantastic news dump. A little early. Little little, bit early. A little early. That's the only thing I would have. Su- I would suggest is to make it a little later yeah, in the day. Because usually it comes out at about this hour or this time. Right and then now. we forget. You and I don't even have time. Yeah. All we have time to do is mention it. So, okay, do you think Robin Voss is like buddies with these cops and maybe this judge? He's like, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do some election fraud garbage and I'm going to pay you $11,000 a month. And you you know just we'll we'll quote unquote look into the election and um you you know like maybe you contribute to my campaign or something like that or or you 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 take me out to eat or at least you know a little kickback for you that'd be fun the same thing's happening in South Dakota which is also seems a little bit odd is a giant Republican donor a giant I don't know if he's literally a giant or she uh, a donor that has a lot of money is going to fund the National Guard going to the border, uh, some Iowa or some South Dakota National Guard members going to the border. I think there are some Iowa ones too. Um, so in terms of so, – so people that just have a lot of money can decide that they're going to give that money to our government and allow – and therefore pay National Guard. So a private person is paying our National Guard to go to the – to the border it seems a little a little shady this whole thing is bizarre and it illustrates some bizarre features of our politics first of all the influence of money in politics if you want an in, if you want an example of the influence of money in politics here's your example plus you were in this weird era where like we all have to weigh in on national issues and we don't focus on what's going on in our state as much. We don't focus on what's going on in our city as much. So you have this governor, Christy Nome of South Dakota, being drawn into border security, like which would be unthinkable in previous eras of American politics. The job of the governor of South Dakota would be to focus on matters pertaining to South Dakota. Yeah, but they're National Guard members. You know, they don't want to be in South Dakota. They want to go. You, you guys could take a little summer trip to Mexico or to the border, at least. It's not hot and miserable down there. <laughs> um, you know, but we're going to have some some unknown person because they won't tell you how much or who 
they they won't tell you that information because that's you know like of course you don't want to tell us who's going to pay or how much they're going to pay those national guard members. Um, Democrats should start doing this. Maybe Democrats should start paying national guard members uh, to go other place. I don't know what what they would use them for, but we we could think of some ideas. Oh sure, I mean, and especially if you've got donors willing to pony up. Well, like that, no, that's the whole point is yeah. just have some private, you know, some. Um, what are the what are the big Democratic donors that people just you know there, there's the Koch brothers for Republicans. What's the equivalent? I always forget. Oh well, Tom Steyer, the dude who ran for president and did not do well. Mike Bloomberg, Bloomberg, has right? Given huge money to Democrats in recent years. Yeah, so Bloomberg funds uh, the Wisconsin National Guard to to I don't know. There's the, I don't know what the issue would be that they would have to uh, like something about saving something white. I don't know. I have no idea. We should have brainstormed this a little bit before I went down this rabbit hole. Yeah, we should hole. have prepped. All right, that's going to do it for uh, the show. Chagoski, thanks a lot for coming in again. And uh, see you down at Riverfest, probably? We'll see you down at Riverfest. It right. looks great down there.